Hello and welcome back to Santini's Daily Dose Podcast. This is your brother in Christ, Josiah. You guys, I hope that you've just had a day where you've just been able to, um, if you have suffered, uh, I just declare over you that God has been with you. God has been working behind the scenes in your life. God has been fighting for you. God has been changing your heart, renewing your mind. And I just, you know, one thing that I thought of uh, just before this podcast started was, um, Start praying to the Lord if there's anything in your life that is stopping you from growing more in Him, which is just, I guess you could talk about maybe that's like an idol in your life or um, just something that's holding you back from going deeper with God. Um, One of those things for me was vaping. Um, Pornography was a big one. I'm great. I mean, I've I've been delivered of all of this and thank God, but um, all the glory goes to God. Um, what else? Uh, rap music was a big one. Um, having certain artists that I listened to a lot and just like worshiped them. It was really bad. Uh, those are things that God really wanted to tear out of my life. And right now, uh, the kind of idols that I'm continuing to surrender to God that I struggle with are, uh, women, um, cars are a really big one. I have a problem with just like obsessing over really nice cars and just like, You know, just, oh my gosh, it's a new Lexus, no way, you know, so. um, Guys, today, obviously, the message is um, understanding 1 John 1, 9. Um, We're going to read it. We're going to look at it in context. I didn't prepare any notes on this, so I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me. Um, And part of me says the Holy Spirit just wants me to keep that between him and I. So please pray for me uh, if that is true so that I can uh, see more confirmation in that. So, Um, Let's open in prayer, and then we're going to jump into today's message, you guys. Yeah, I'm just seeing an image of just a very beautiful girl, but she's just sitting in this field, sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce, how we used to say it in elementary school, but she's just like sitting there and focusing on God and how good he's been. She's just dwelling on all of his goodness, everything that he's done. God, we focus right now on everything that you've done for us. We come boldly before your throne because of what you did on the cross. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We fear you, Lord. We revere your name. Lord, I pray that we would understand our identity more. We would be filled with your Holy Spirit more and more. You would heal our souls from the hurt of our past. Father, this message would bless people's hearts. I pray for open hearts, open minds, God, that they would seek fresh insights. Lead them into the trial so that they can get excited and count it all joy to grow their faith in you, Lord, and see the blessings that are going to overflow from that, Father. I pray for minds to be renewed, hearts to be changed throughout this message, God. And... um. 
God, we just declare that whatever we're going through, we trust you and that you have amazing things for us and that one day we're going to be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just go over this verse real quick, you guys. I did, I think I, 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 I highlighted this page that I found about this verse. This is it right here. I think this is it. Yeah, this is it right here. I just looked up an article based on this verse, First John one nine. So I have my Bibles, my Bible right here, you guys. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna go to First John one nine, or if you're better at listening and and taking that in, that's okay as well. That's me personally. I, I'm not good at sitting and following, not because the person might be reading a different version, but because I just do better at listening and. Um just taking it in instead of reading because then I feel like I'm focusing on myself and oh look at me I'm reading my bible like you know um so here we go we're just gonna read this first John 1 9 I'm in the message version you guys we're just gonna I want to read I'm gonna start in verse 8 and end in verse 10 if we claim that we are free of sin we're only fooling ourselves a claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, we he will not let us down. He will be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God. We make a liar out of him. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. So here we go, you guys. John is talking about... Now, what John's really talking about in this verse, verses 5 through 10, is really talking about walking in the light. And the light represents Jesus. That's what he's talking about. So I'm just going to read this article to you guys right here. Do you believe that you must confess every known sin to God? Me, personally, I don't, you guys, because then we're right back to legalism. And it's like the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. It's about... James James says in chapter 5 um, here I'll just read it in the message version if I can find it I think it's right after Hebrews James 5 16 I've shared this verse a few times with you guys but it says make, uh, make this your common practice that's how he starts off in verse 16 he says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed so he's just saying to make confession of sin a common practice. He's not saying make a confession of every sin. He's just he's talking um, generically, if that makes sense. So do you believe that you have to confess every known sin to God? For many years earlier in my ministry, and this, is, this is a link that I'm using, so my is the guy I'm reading. Um, this is back in October 13th of uh, last year. This guy's name is Jeff Elif. Um Gosh, I hope I'm not copywriting right now. Oh, gosh. Um, Here we go. Uh, For many years in my ministry, I made statements such as the following. In order to be restored to fellowship with God and to be filled with the Spirit, you must confess every known sin to God. What am I to think of such instructions now? Sadly, this teaching adds a layer of requirement for our forgiveness not intended by God. And it may lead to confusion, which we all know Second Corinthians talks about God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Of course, there's context behind that, but, but that doesn't mean that verse isn't true. And sanctification troubles for the believer if taken seriously. So let me just read that. Sadly, this teaching, which is what he's saying is um, 
in order to be restored with fellowship with God and being confessed, um, that teaching adds a layer of requirements for our forgiveness not intended by God. Now, the reason why he says not intended by God is because God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And it may lead to confusion and sanctification troubles for the believer if taken seriously. The next part he's going to talk about is my experience with um, confessionism. And I'll talk about my own my own journey with confession of sin, you guys. I've been confessing sin now for about, I'd say about three years. Probably maybe three years or a little under three years. Um, the word confession is the orig- uh, in the original comes from um, the conjoining of two words. And it's to say and the same. Confession means to agree with God on his assessments of our actions and thoughts and to name our sin to God. See, right there, you guys, I just talked on my other episodes. If you haven't listened to my some of my most recent episodes about can you confess your sin to God, and I, I look at David in the Psalms, and he did that. So this is backing that, up, that claim up as well. To continue, I did not find confessionism in the dictionary, but will coin the word if someone else has not done this already, as a way to name the practice and the teaching that believers are under a ne- are under a necessity a, to confess every known sin to God as a vital ingredient to their sanctification. Here we go. I'm just going to continue, guys. I had considerable ex- I had considerable experience in this practice early on, and I put many others under the burden of it also. I won't say that God did not use this method in some way for good during this period. I was, after all, attempting to draw near to God. That's why I was confessing sin as well, to draw near to draw closer to God as well. But I finally came to a very different and much more uh, liberating view of sin and forgiveness. Okay, let's just I just don't know if I want to keep reading. I hope I'm just not like overwhelming you guys and I hope this is making sense. So Let's just continue. And I came to regret having put myself and others under a bondage that I believe God did not intend. A wrong view of confession can lead those who are uh, perfection. Uh, wow, this, wow, this, you know what? This is hitting me really hard right now. This next verse, this not, this, not this next verse, this next sentence. A wrong view of confession can lead those who are perfectionistic or overly sensitive by nature into spiritual uh, quigmire, which probably means over spiritualization. And you know, guys, that hits me so much because I think, oh my gosh, that opens my eyes so much. It's almost like the truth will set you free. It's almost like that's what I'm experiencing right now. Um, wow. I need to, I, wow. I, I needed to hear that so bad. If I'm going to really be humble right now, you guys, I needed to hear that because in the past I've had a, I've had trouble with over spiritualization and a lot of people do it as well. They, they, they read a verse and your mind can go anywhere. And you got to be careful with that, guys. Our minds can go anywhere when we read any type of scripture. So here we go. Biblically, my former views on sanctification always circled back to one verse. 1 John 1, nine. This verse was a foundation for sanctification not only for me, but for those who are my teachers. Let me remind you of it here. This is what the verse says. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous. Um, other other words say just uh, instead of righteous. Other versions um, to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
He continues with his own thoughts. I took this verse to mean that each time I sinned, I had to confess that specific sin to God and to the others I sinned against, which in itself is true. Yeah, yeah, no, you know what? I, I, uh, yeah, I'd say that's true according to that verse in Matthew where it says, um, if you're praying and you remember that you have something that has against you, go to them and be reconciled and then come back. I think that's Matthew 6. So, um, he says, that's my dog, I'm sorry. Um, in order to be forgiven and cleansed, that, that he's saying that's what he had to do was, was confess every specific sin to God. And if I sin against someone else, um, I have to confess that fault to that person and God. Because not every sin is committed to some other person. It's, you know what I mean? So anyway, in order to be forgiven and cleansed, in order to be forgiven and cleansed, if I did not do this, I was living an unforgiven and polluted life. One in which the spirit was not free to work. And again, it's almost like it's talking about putting God in a box. To have unconfessed sin was to remain in the flesh. I did not believe that the verse meant that I was just to scratch the surface of my sinning, but that God demanded that I scour out each and every sin until it was brought before him. It did not mean some sins and every sin... It did not mean some sins, but every sin. And it did not mean just the big ones, but the smallest of them too. Now, that right there, you guys, I want to make a, I want to make a claim right now. And this is there's been a bunch of different mixed reviews on this. And again, based on what I've read in scripture, I feel like I'm right about this. I might be wrong, but I'm confident this is true. Not all sin is the same. According to where Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I think it is, he says that adultery is against, you know, having sex outside of marriage is a sin against your own body. He goes on and says, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a worse sin. It's worse than just swearing or getting drunk. It's So, just I'm going to leave that right there and let the Holy Spirit speak the rest to you. Um, and if I'm wrong, Holy Spirit will speak to me. It meant not only the specifics in itself, but each occasion of that sin. I could not summarize my sins and say, uh, Lord, the usual. Wow, that really hit me too. Every time I confess sin, you guys, we shouldn't just be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna relapse. I'm just gonna go watch porn again so that I can just confess again and I'll be good. Now, have I struggled with that in the past when I was struggling with pornography? Yes. But I look back and, and, and I, I now confess that to God. So all of this meant reg regular, oh my gosh. All of this meant regular, daily, hourly, immediate, intro. I cannot read that word. Oh my gosh. Introspection of my life until every sin and every nuance of sin was laid before God in prayer. I made sin lists from time to time and could always write pages. I was determined to keep. Short accounts with God. In other words, confession of sin was at the heart. Okay, I'm just going to move on here, you guys, because this is a really long article. So based on what we're reading here, you guys, it seems like he is saying that you have to confess every single sin. But here's where, here's where I'm coming to. And if you guys are here and you're saying that, like, Josiah, you know, you're not really giving a great message. I would check your motive. If you're coming on this podcast to think that I have every single one of your answers, then uh, you've got an idol on your hands, and I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that idol. 
it's look you guys because I'm just gonna explain this and I've experienced this in my own life say you're in a season where you're working four days a week and you're going to youth group on Thursday nights and church on Sundays you're not going to school you know you're just living kind of, you're kind of a busy you're, you're kind of busy you're working Monday through Friday I just okay you're working Monday through Friday and you go to church twice a week you're not going to school you're just working you hang out with your friends on the weekends and you have your brothers and sisters in Christ that are helping you with wisdom, correction, reproof, and fresh insights, God sees those people in your life. And God is going to say, John, um, you know, Melanie is going to give you some wisdom that James can't. James is going to give you wisdom that Melanie can't. So there's wisdom that I'm going to give you that other people can't. But there's also going to be wisdom that they're going to give you that I don't have because I have not gained that wisdom yet. And I think that's where it comes to the point where it's like we look at someone, we watch a YouTube video or we have a conversation with someone and we think, um, we hear them say something and it's just wrong. They're like, oh, well, they don't know this verse. Why don't they know this verse? It's like we have that thought and it's like, what about, like, like I said on my other podcast, we're controlling and trying to be like, they need to know this. They need to know that. Do they know this? Do they know that verse according to what they just said? How about just Lord, whether he knows it or not, please show it to him again. And that's your own belief in your heart. Now, again, once you pray that, you might be wrong about that thing that you are wanting the Lord to pass on to him. So at that point, just say, God, if I'm wrong about this, though, show me. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just kind of what I got. You can't expect me to have every single bit of wisdom, you guys. I'm going to have wisdom to give to you guys. You're going to have other people come into your life. They're going to give you the wisdom you need to know to grow in your wisdom. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that wisdom is better than muscle. And everyone's trying to work out and get their six-pack. And like, yeah, that's good. But I feel like we look at people and they're like, oh, he's really good looking. Yeah, but does he have wisdom? Because that doesn't really matter. Where is his soul going? That's what matters. Just like Jesus said, how, who is a man to gain the whole world but then lose his soul in the end? So here we go. We're going on 20 minutes here. I, I got I to gotta get ready and go to church soon. So let's just wrap this up. Um, here we go. The beginning of the verse, you guys, because I want to look at the context. First John... Uh, Really start in verse five. Hang on, let me. Hang on, guys. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just hang on, guys. I'm just looking. Here we go. Really? No, that's not it. Okay, here we go. First John one five. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. The way he typed this out doesn't make any sense. I'm just gonna read this to you. This is the beginning of uh, John's message about confession of, about um confession of sin. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
we're gonna take this one step at a guy, one one step at a time, guys. Let's not over spiritualize things. I'm, I'm gonna try to do that myself. I'm let the Holy Spirit speak here. And if anyone sins, excuse me, I had a little hic- had a hiccup there. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He Himself is the procreation of our sins, and not uh, for ours only but also for those of the whole world. So here we go. First, note that the passage spells out its its purpose clearly. I'm reading from the article now, you guys. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. The purpose of uh, confessionists used in uh, chapter 1, verse 9, is to get the Christian into a place of being forgiven and cleansed by God and therefore in fellowship with him and filled with the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of John was obedience. And this, in 1 John, is repeatedly given as the mark of an authentic Christian. But note, secondly, that John demonstrates clearly that the believer's sins are immediately and totally covered by the sacrificial work of Christ. For instance, in verse 7, he asserts that the believer, who is consistently described as the one who walks in the light, enjoys the promise, the blood of Jesus uh, his son cleanses him from all sin. So, based on that, you guys, it's like saying, like, you're not cleansed from all the sin because you confessed it and because you're under the blood. No, it's cleansed because you're under the blood. This is why I'm wondering if this verse is really for unbelievers. It's really interesting to me, guys. Now, I am aware the audience that John is speaking to um, is... Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Is uh, they, they are believers. Um, and that's why he says in verse... Uh, in verse 1... Uh, verse 5, I think it is. Because I don't think he quoted this verse right. But anyway, it says, My little children. You guys... As we know in First John... Uh, no, as we know in the Gospel of John in chapter 1 or 2 it says that those who came into believing of the messiah um that they had been given the right to become children of god so my point is you guys that he has to be if he says my little children he has to be speaking to believers and i did look this up it does it does say that he's speaking to believers so i don't know you guys i'm kind of i'm all over the board here um I'm going to read this little thing right here, you guys. I'm going to give, I'm going to read this little thing right here. And then I'm going to uh, talk about my own uh, thing about confession of sin and how it's really helped me. Um, he's going to talk about here, uh, my conviction. So here we go. It says, I want to state my views about this verse. I don't claim uh, infallibility here, of course, but I can say that I have uh, given these matters a great deal of thought through the years. Having believed so strongly in the other direction, I did not think I could uh, afford to be wrong. Let me give you an uh, expended uh, paraphrase of the text and explain my uh, emphasis. Here we go. Uh, if we walk in the light, that is, if we are true believers, this is the part of the verse in First John uh, chapter 1. I'm not sure what verse, but let me just restart. If we walk in the light, that is, if we are true believers... Then we have fellowship with each other, and this wonderful thing happens. The blood of Jesus, uh, his son, 
cleanses us continually from all sin. If we say publicly that we do not that we don't have sin, we are all liars and the truth is not in us. The truth what that is interpreted to is Christ. That is that we are not true believers at all. However, if we confess our sins, that is if we uh, are now characterized by admitting sin to others as a common practice of a true Christian. See how it says common practice right there again, like it says in James 5. A person who now walks in the light. Uh, then God is faithful and righteous on the basis of what Christ has done for us to forgive us of all of our sins as our uh, status and to continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the confessionist, if I am uh, right in this interpretation, the passage is now turned on its head. Instead of encouraging us to every encouraging us to name every sin to God as a necessary mean of ongoing sanctification, the passage is glorifying in the completed uh, and sufficient work of Christ. Oh, is glorying in the... Sorry, let me reread that. Let me just read that. I'm going to reread this. For the confessionist, if I am right in this interpretation, this passage is now turned on its head. Instead of encouraging us to name every sin to God as a necessary mean of ongoing sanctification, the passage is is, uh, glorying in the completed and sufficient work of Christ. That is, in this passage, we see just how forgiving God is in Christ and how his blood continually works on our behalf. Let me just... Is this the end of the... You know, guys, I'm, I might even just do a part two on this because this is a long article and there's so much good stuff in here. So let me just jump in here, guys, because I'm sorry, I'm on a tight schedule and, you know, whatever. So I'm going to talk about my own moment of confession of sin. I'm just going to talk about what it's really done in my life. When I was following the Lord... I went to go work at Spring Hill Camps. I was there for about two months. I got let go. It's a long story. I came home, and the enemy kept trying to distract me and what happened behind, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, forget about that, and let's keep going with me. So anyway, time went by. Uh, I get home. It's summertime. Uh, This was about, again, this was about three years ago, and I'm in Waterford, and I get a call from Kensington Church, which is the church that is close by home for me. and they said, you know, we see here that you're struggling financially, Josiah, and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, they showed me this program called Celebrate Recovery. Um, I asked them, when do they have those things? And they said they actually have one tonight at Kensington Orient. And I thought, all right. And I went, and I loved it. I loved what they do. Now, what they do, you guys, if you have not gone to this program, I challenge you to please go check it out. It has radically changed my life. I, You, you go there, you hear a testimony. Or a um, a testimony, or I'm just gonna move this forward. I'm just gonna lean back. You hear a testimony, and then uh, you have worship at the beginning, of course. And after that, you go into these rooms, and you guys, there is there is unless you're in a unless you're with your therapist, or your counselor, there is not, or in the presence of the Lord, there is not a safer place to confess sin. This this it's there they are very uh, down to the core about this is whatever is confessed in this room stays in this room. They, they read the guidelines every time you guys 
Um, I for me going there for uh, I went there for three years consistently every week, and when I was following God, I was going to or not when I was following God when I was starting to go to celebrate recovery. I was going at least at the beginning. I was going three times a week, and I never once uh, experienced uh, having someone else find out about you know oh Josiah relapsed on this and Josiah confessed this and Josiah confessed that these people. Uh, I mean, they're serious about it, and they know the healing power that comes from confession of sin. You guys, I want to read this. I want to. I want to read this verse to you. Before I do that, I. It's so important to confess sin. And again, if you don't like, like I said, find someone that's going to do Galatians six one when you confess sin, and do James five sixteen and pray for you when you are confessing sin. You guys. If you don't have anyone that can do that, you can confess your sins to the Lord. Just go read the book of Psalm. Just. Just go. Just to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, seriously. I'm not going to over-spiritualize it. If you don't have anyone to confess sin to, go confess it to God. You're not hiding anything from Him. And when you are confessing yourself, your sins to Him, you're doing James 4.10. You're humbling yourself before the Lord. And He's going to lift you up. Let me read this last verse to you guys. And then we're going to close in prayer. It's Psalm uh, 66, verse 18. I think it is... Right here. If I... This is David speaking. I think it's David speaking. Yeah, it is. If I had been cozy with evil... I'm going to share other versions, but let me just read this. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. Other versions say, if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord won't hear my prayers. Now... Can God's mercy trump that? Yes, but you don't want to take that for advantage. That's the thing, you guys. So, um, when I saw that verse, when I first found that verse, I think I found that a couple years ago, this was a time in my life when the Lord was having me look up actual definitions of words. Because when I saw the word cherish, I thought it meant love. But it doesn't. And I thought when I saw the verse, I went, oh my gosh, wait a second. I, Well, then God's not hearing any of my prayers because we love sin. Sin is fun. Let's get real, you guys. Um, but it's not good. And God can change our hearts to hate that. Because the Bible tells us to hate what hate, hate what he hates and love what he loves. And that's where we get the saying, uh, hate, this, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. Did I say that right? Hate, yeah, I did. Okay, I got a little bit scared there. but um, So, you guys... Confessing your sin is so important because it's it's something it's secret and we all hear about secret sin, you guys, and, and the dangers of it. You know, and it's like uh, it, I think there's a verse in uh, Psalm where David says, "If there's any like hidden thing in me that is sin, like show it to me." It's somewhere in Psalm. Some of us know, you know, it's the biggest book in the Bible. It's got 150 chapters, but and we can see that David struggled with so much depression and anxiety. You can there's so much, you guys. There's a verse in Psalm where David says, when I am afraid, when I have anxiety, I put my trust in you. And it's just like I've said on my other podcasts on trust in the Lord, you guys. It's about, um, it's about, let me just find a different song. Let's, let's play this one. Um, you guys, confessing your sin is just so important. But again, I'm going to stand on that, that uh, I do think First John 1, 9 is for unbelievers because we are under the blood and because of what John states, I think it's after First John 1, 9, or no, it's before, sorry. But 
anyway guys i'm gonna have a part two about this i'm gonna have a part two and uh we'll do that next week and i'll pray about that i'm things might change but um let's just close in prayer you guys and humble ourselves before the lord Oh, I just hear the Lord saying that he's redefining things in your life. I see God just, I, I see God moving things. I see God changing things. I see God opening doors. I just, I see God working really fast right now. But he's doing it with ease. That he never runs out of breath. He never gets too sore after working out on your brain never gets tired he's infinite in all his ways father i pray this message would just touch people's hearts if there's anything that was wrong in here show me and show them anything that i've ever said on this podcast god or anything that i've ever said to anyone anything that was ever wrong eradicate it from their brain so the spirit of confusion can lose its way in those people father i pray that the people that listen to this they would grow in wisdom They would remember this wisdom and take it with them. Anything in their life that's holding them back from knowing this wisdom, Father, show it to them. Show them the things that need to be removed from their lives so they can know you more and love you more and grow in intimacy more. Father, we declare tonight that we trust you, that you're coming back to judge the world and save your bride. You are a righteous God and you're coming back to judge the world, Father but that you are holding back your return because you want none to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Touch people's hearts, Father. Fight for us when the enemy speaks lies to us. Help us to put the things into practice when we encounter trials. Craft us, Father. Mold us. Change us the way you want us to change us. Help us to just come closer to you, God. Give us the wisdom we need, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you guys. So, you know, I hope that it just spoke to you. And next week, I'm going to have part two of Understanding 1 John 1 9. Thank you so much for listening to Santini's Daily Dose podcast. This is your friend Josiah. God bless you.